You're listening to the All The Things Podcast, and I'm your host, Sophia Merlo. Each week, you can expect tips and tricks from beauty to business experts, or from myself as I navigate life as a young woman in her 20s. Every episode is chocked full of value, tangible advice, while still sprinkling in relatable stories and keeping things real with my guests and you listening. Be sure to subscribe and tune in every Thursday so you don't miss an episode. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the All The Things podcast. If you don't know already, I'm your host, Sophia, but as soon as you become a listener, you can refer to me as your new podcast, BFF. If you haven't done so already, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss a new episode every Thursday. You never know what episode will be next. Sometimes we talk about health and fitness. Sometimes it's all about entrepreneurship. And then other times it's about the fact that nobody actually knows what they're doing, especially in your 20s. If you haven't done so, I would absolutely love it if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send your favorite episode of the podcast to a friend who needs to listen. Make sure you're caught up with us on all of the socials. That is at all the things the pod on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. Our website is at all the things the blog.com or send us an email if you want to get in touch at all the things the blog at gmail.com. Also, if you have included in already this month, we are releasing a new bonus mini episode every single day. This is fulfilled February. Each day you can expect five affirmations based on a theme and a journal prompt. Let's dive into today's episode. How is everyone? I feel like I haven't had a chance to just catch up with people in a while. So I have a few housekeeping things. I forgot to ask how dry January was for everyone. Did you guys enjoy it? Did you participate? Was it more of a damp or was it a wet or soaking January? How was the experience for everyone? I loved it personally. If you can't tell from our interview with Suzette and our Instagram of attending some events at the new drink bar, non-alcoholic cafe bar location it was so fun love the community there but for me it'd be way harder to give up coffee than alcohol and we'll talk about this more later when we really get into the meat of the episode but I feel like shit when I drink and I think that goes for everyone but I just get so anxious I I don't even do anything like stupid. Like I would dance on a table sober and I have like, I don't regret doing things like that. Like I love to be social. I love seeing my friends. I love a night out on the town, but the actual alcohol makes me anxious. And a lot of times actually is what makes me not want to go out because I don't want there to be this conversation of you're at a social setting. I'm not drinking. Others are. And then they're like, why aren't you drinking? And it becomes this whole deal. Versus in dry January, so many people also weren't drinking. And then they were like, wow, you're actually fun. Sober. Like, oh, you you can hang. Or it just wasn't an issue. Or we did different activities that weren't just going to a bar or a restaurant, which I love. Don't get me wrong. And Last Friday, did I enjoy a nice-ass cocktail with my boyfriend and friends? Yes, I did. And that's all good. We love the balance. But I love that there was this point of time where everyone as a society was focusing on not drinking because then 
selfishly, that made my life easier. My philosophy for my personal life is if I really want to drink of alcohol, if I'm in the mood to have a glass of wine or a nice cocktail or some bubbles, I won't deprive myself. But on average, it's probably like once or twice a month max that I do just because it really just doesn't align with what I want for myself. But I am more than happy to attend events where there is alcohol, others are drinking, live your best life. But how did you find the experience? Did you have a similar vibe? Did you have other takeaways? Was it super hard for you? Did you hate it? I want to talk about it. The days are officially getting longer. It was this past week that I noticed that it's actually not pitch black at 5 o'clock p.m. You guys, we made it through. I think there's an actual thing of 10 weeks of the year that are the darkest, and we've made it through this period. So if you take nothing else from this episode, just know that the days are getting longer. There's more sunshine. I thought it was appropriate because we're talking about optimizing your 5 to 9. That's your 5 to 9 a.m., 5 to 9 p.m., and I feel like it's just so much easier to have energy, get out, do things, get shit done when the sun is out. I need to ask everyone as well, since we're on the topic of getting out, being social, what is the go-to shoe nowadays? Is it still a Converse or Air Force situation? Is it a tall, sexy boot? I need help. Please take us in your Instagram outfits so we get the vibe on what's going on. I need professional help when it comes to my closet right now. I feel like I don't have a style. My... My true style, I cannot afford at this current moment, but I'm just trying to get by, be a corporate girly during the day, and then go out, have a cute date night look or girls night out situation, and my shoe game just isn't there right now. So collectively, you girls keep me so young. If you get it, you get it. What is the shoe? Finally, before we really get into this episode, I just want to chat with everyone. What is everyone looking forward to? I feel like February is this weird in-between month where it's not the dead of winter, but it's not yet spring, and sometimes we lose our motivation from January, from our goals, the holidays are over. We need something to keep us moving forward, something to look forward to. And I want to know what everyone else is looking forward to. Also, a good tip for you. One of my favorite parts of my nighttime routine is that my boyfriend and I ask each other what we're excited about for the next day. And I want to know what is everyone looking forward to for this next year or the spring. Comment on our latest Instagram post, something that you're excited about this year. And we can have a little community banter about it. Maybe you guys are going to the same thing. Maybe there will be a meetup or an event that everyone in the All the Things community is super excited about. Personally, I have three concerts lined up this spring. And if you've been listening since the beginning, that you know I am a concert girl big time. So having three booked already just fills my soul with so much joy. Now let's get into the juicy part of this episode, what you all came here for, and that is optimizing your five to nine in the morning and after work. We all know that having a good morning routine starts with having a good nighttime routine. 
I know that sounds like the beginning of an ad, but it's not. It's just the truth. So about 10 months ago, I'd say, I was having a horrible time falling and staying asleep. My cortisol spikes and dips were literally happening at the opposite times that they should have been for my energy levels and to get a good night's sleep. And then also at night, my thoughts would be racing. It could be something so small, like replying to a text or all the tasks I didn't get done on my to-do list that day, but it would keep me up and make me anxious at night. And then I got into this really bad cycle. So through the support of my healthcare professional, like my naturopath, who I adore, and also taking ownership of my own mental and physical health, I've been able to clean up my sleep hygiene, which I'm pretty proud of, I have to say. So by no means is it perfect, but the improvement I have noticed is quite drastic, and this has been a huge factor for me to optimize my 5 to 9 in the morning and after work, having that sustained energy throughout the day. These tips might not be what you want to hear, but it's the truth and what has helped me sleep better. So let's get into it. Number one, calming my mind during my nighttime routine. This sounds simple in theory, but in practice, it's quite hard. Now, I refuse to let my anxiety win when it comes to checking things off my to-do list. With my corporate job, there isn't the option to let tasks stay on my list for that day. It is a must to get everything done, but I wasn't using that same self-discipline when it came to my personal life, which includes the podcast, something that I'm so passionate about. So it would be insane to think that I wasn't applying that same principle, but for me, it was hard. And instead of getting overwhelmed by the amount of things I want to accomplish, I have now changed my approach and focus. So now I have five to seven tasks to complete over two days. I have goals to complete for Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, Friday. I leave as a bonus treat day. So if I have the bandwidth and energy, I cross things off my list. But I leave that day open for time to reset, catch up on the Real Housewives, plan a date night or a sushi night with the girls. Then I get back to it and group tasks that I need to complete over the weekend. And that is for Saturday and Sunday. This has helped my sleep because now instead of going through a list of literally a hundred items that I need to get through in my head, I can go to bed with peace of mind knowing that I've hit my goals, crossed off my personal to-do lists, and completed those tasks while in a flow state of mind and clear brain. This doesn't happen every single day that every item is crossed off, but this is why I like putting days together. So say there's something lingering on my to-do list and it's nighttime, I need that time to unwind, to chill out. I'm not stressed about getting that one item done if it's simply too large of a task that it's not a quick email or it takes more than five minutes. But knowing that I've allowed myself the time to continue it on to the next day It helps me stay on track. It doesn't make me feel overwhelmed. And it keeps you consistent because you've already knocked off so many things. You're like, I'm crushing it. I'm right on task. I'm right on time. I can get this done tomorrow. By breaking down my goals into five to seven tasks over two days, it's not only reduced my feelings of being frozen by anxiety. This is something I was really struggling with last year. And 
even the beginning of this year, but it also allows me to set myself up for a restful night. I now have time in my schedule to actually wind down before going to bed without a million things looming in my brain the second I try to fall asleep. I touched on this in last week's full episode on mindset shifts and the need of needing to slow down in order to progress further, but this is how I applied that concept on a micro and sustainable level since I can't be on vacation or getting Reiki treatments 365 days a year. Around 8.30 or 9 o'clock at the latest, my laptop is shut off. My to-do list by that point is done, and my only goal is to relax before bed. Personally, I need about an hour of just chill time before going to bed. I really don't know how people can go straight from working on something and doing chores to falling asleep, but that's just simply not in my DNA. I need time to just shut my brain off. In order to have my 5 to 9 routine in the morning, I need an early night and that requires scheduling in an hour of chill time. To give you an idea, here's an example of what my 5 to 9 nighttime routine looks like. So I'll finish my corporate job that usually goes past 5, but you get the idea. Then I go straight into my list while I'm in a work mode. I really jump into things. And I found this to be helpful because if I start just chilling or that self-talk of you've been busy, you deserve a break, which yes, you do. But then it's way harder to get back up and in that flow state of getting things done. So I knock off at least two items on my list. So that could be finish editing a podcast, replying to all my emails, putting the dishes away, whatever's on your list. Then I have dinner because I don't want to be eating right before going to bed either, and I'm usually pretty hungry at this time. So I have chill time then, make dinner, say hi to Dylan, maybe we'll have dinner together. Then I get myself ready for the morning. For me, this looks like making sure my workout clothes are ready to go. Everything that I need for the morning is washed, clean, put away. Any video content is queued up and ready to post. My water bottle is washed and ready to be refilled in the morning. If you know, you know I have an emotional support water bottle. Thank you. It is about eight pounds when it's full and I truly feel lost without it. I really do need it in my life. And then by this time, it's usually around eight. So I take inventory of my mental state and see if there's anything that's making me anxious. Again, like texting someone back. This is something I'm really trying to work on or adding the show notes to an upcoming episode if I haven't done that already. I know myself and I won't be able to actually turn my brain off if I can immediately think of things that will cause me to feel anxious. So I deal with that right away. Once those things have been dealt with, then it is actually time to chill, decompress, and get a good night's sleep. Number two, do things that make you feel good. If you absolutely hate weightlifting, there's no way that getting up at 5 a.m. to go do a weightlifting session is going to be a sustainable routine. A key part of maximizing your 5 to 9 is filling your time with things that not only you need to do in order to achieve your health, finance, career, and personal goals, but also filling your time with things that bring you energy and long-term joy. 
I say long-term joy because oftentimes the things that we need to do don't always bring us short-term satisfaction, but they should give you long-term satisfaction. Like writing cold emails isn't the most joyous task, but I can tell you what does bring me joy is having someone write back to me that they'd like to be a guest on the podcast. An element to creating a schedule filled with things that make you feel good is also giving yourself a grace period to find the middle ground between things that help you reach your goals and things that bring you joy. This will definitely take some trial and error. Not every 6 a.m. workout will be your favorite, but take the time to learn what works for you and your routine. For a long time, I tried to work out at a commercial gym after work, and I realized that routine did not work for me. It did not leave me feeling energized. It, in fact, left me feeling frustrated because it was so packed. I was hungry for dinner, and I was too in my head about other things that I wanted to get done that day to be even excited about my workout. And working out physical activity is something that has always brought me a lot of joy and always helped my mental health. So the fact it was actually adding on stress and anxiety was a major red flag that my routine just wasn't working for me. Number three, evaluate and improve your habits. The best example I have for this is how I've changed my relationship with my beloved morning coffee. Like I mentioned at the top of this episode, I am a coffee girl through and through. I go to bed excited about my morning coffee. I, when I was 12 years old, maybe, maybe 13, asked for a Keurig. Still, hands down, 10 years later, one of the best, most used gifts I've ever received in my life. Thank you, mom and dad. It's part of my routine and it would be a lot for me to give up coffee. Like some of you, how dry January was hard. That's how I imagine giving up coffee for myself. With that said, though, I did change my habits when it comes to having my morning coffee. I am not going to take credit for this. I first heard of this theory, I guess you could say, in an episode of the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast. They had Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist and the host of Huberman Labs podcast. Highly recommend both. And they had him on as a guest to talk about sleep. One of the biggest takeaways for me was about coffee consumption. There is a lot of conversation about coffee and caffeine and sleep, but normally the conversation is surrounded on not consuming coffee too late in the day because of the caffeine, how coffee has a long half-life, so it's still being in your system when you're trying to go to bed. But there wasn't a discussion, or at least that I found, about how early you should have your coffee either. I'll do my best to simply describe why I was curious about delaying my caffeine consumption, but this is by no means my own research, and in the show notes, I have linked the article about Andrew Huberman's hypothesis on caffeine consumption and sleep, so you can make your own judgments after reading that. So remember when I said my cortisol was peaking at the wrong times? This change in habit, along with 
a lot of other changes I've made, again, under the supervision of my naturopath and other healthcare professionals, has helped me improve the balance of my biological rhythm when it comes to cortisol. In simple terms, there is a peak of cortisol levels about 45 minutes after you wake up in the morning. If you're introducing caffeine during a cortisol peak, there can be cause for cortisol disruption and potential for a greater afternoon slump and crash because of all that caffeine and cortisol at once leaving your system. There's another factor as to why there may be benefits associated with having delayed caffeine, and that has to do with a neurotransmitter called adenosine. I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but we're going to go with it. The buildup of adenosine in our body is part of what makes us feel sleepy, and caffeine is an adenosine blocker. So that's why we feel more energized after having a cup of coffee. When we wake up, there is still some adenosine left in your body from the night before, just creeping about. So by pushing back your morning coffee, you're allowing the adenosine to naturally deplete and feel more awake and energized by your body's own doing. By having coffee right away, you're blocking that leftover adenosine in your body and letting it build up right away, resulting in, again, a heavier energy crash that happens once the caffeine wears off. Delaying your coffee might sound difficult in the morning, especially if you love it as much as I do, but in reality, this has been a relatively easy habit to improve. I now wait about 90 minutes to even two hours after waking up to have my coffee because I've changed my routine to have my coffee only after I've completed my morning workout, have showered, done my skincare routine, and have had at least a bite of my breakfast. On weekends, my mornings are typically slower than my weekdays, but I really do still actively put an effort to waiting at least 30 to 45 minutes before having my coffee. Some other examples of changing your habits, something that I have loved and that you've seen on my Instagram story is habit stacking. So if you're already doing something like brushing your teeth, for me now it's going to the gym, something that's ingrained in your routine, it's taking stock of the habits around that and seeing where you can add a habit to something you're already doing. So for me, it's when I'm doing my cool down, I go on Duolingo and I do a couple lessons. I'm now past a full month from adding this into my routine of doing Duolingo every single day before I would do a day and give up or get up to a week and then give up. But now because it's habit stacked into my routine, it's just a habit. I do it every single day. It's not taking away from anything else. I'm not interchanging it. I'm adding to my routine without taking away any time, which is key. Number four, Time block your calendar. Time blocking has been a staple in my life for years and it has only improved how I maximize my time. If this is a new term for you, the blog Rescue Time, which is again linked in the show notes, defines time blocking as the practice of planning out every moment of your day in advance and dedicating specific time blocks for certain tasks and responsibilities. Now, I don't have every single minute of my day planned to a T, 
but I have a pretty good game plan in order to hit everything I'm needing to do that day or even hour. In fact, I am currently recording in my recording time block right now. Now with social media designed to make our attention spans the size of a goldfish, actively working on improving focus is more important than ever for myself and I think for society. And time blocking has been a really powerful tool in my life. So remember those five to seven tasks to complete over two days. Now it's time to actually allocate enough time for each of those items and put them into your calendar, just like you would for a meeting or an appointment. Something else that has really helped me be able to focus on one task at hand is setting a timer. This is so underrated. Setting a timer is key for me. So for example, I might have a time blocker in my calendar that's labeled podcast for three hours. But let me tell you, within that umbrella term of podcast is a lot of different tasks. So what I do is I set a timer on my phone or my watch. I really love the timer app on my watch. I don't know why, but it's just more convenient. And then I can put my phone away and I'm less likely to be distracted as well for whatever time I set myself up to complete that task. So I'll do 30 minutes on my timer. And in that 30 minutes, I have to reply to all the emails in my inbox for the podcast. I'm not trying to do emails, video editing, brainstorming question ideas, outreach, everything in that 30 minutes or just not organizing that three-hour block I have and then having bits of everything done but not one goal actually completed. I am always thinking of at least three things at once and this has helped me stay on task and I simply cannot recommend it enough. It is such an easy habit. I applied this to my morning routine as well in order to work out, shower, do my skincare, make breakfast, and get ready for the work in the morning. I need to be on it. I set timers for myself when to be out of the shower, when my makeup needs to be done, and when I need to be in my car on the way to my office. Time blocking can be a great way to help you set boundaries with others as well. There's someone whose phone call you've been needing to return or a person that you've been meaning to get lunch with forever. Let them know ahead of time what your schedule looks like and set the expectations from the beginning. This way you're able to connect, but you leave feeling respected for your time and they leave not feeling disappointed that a lunch date didn't turn into a full weekend vendor. I hope this episode and tips help all of you maximize your five to nines outside of your nine to fives. If you're interested in more episodes like this, I'd love to do a part two. I feel like we've only scratched the surface, but I wanted to give you really tangible tips and tools. If this is something new to you, if you feel like you're in a slump in your routine, just to help you get a bit of a game plan to get started. We all have goals and ambitions, and it's so important to set aside time for yourself. By having structures and tools in place, it's easier to have self-discipline and really fall in love with your own routine. Please share this episode with a friend that you think will also receive value. It would mean so, so much to me. Thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you soon.